0: FM Talk. On Demand Audio.
1: I don't know if it seems like the Christmas music has been less intrusive this year, but it seems like there's a better balance of Christmas music, non-Christmas music in my household. I don't know what that means, if that's any indication of the trends that we are facing here. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Mark Reardon. There's a lot that's going on, and we are watching Congress as they... Are set to sign in this omnibus bill, omnibus bill, I should say. So the Senate coming to at least some concessions and getting enough Republicans on board to get this thing done before Christmas. In some ways, I wonder, is it just like, okay, let's get this done. I don't want to wait around. I want to go be with my family. I'm not going to read it, whatever. But if you're going to whatever $1.7 trillion, then you're not doing your job. Come on. Joining us now, Missouri State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman. Thank you so much for coming on to 97.1. Appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas to you. You grew up in Texas. You came here to attend SLU. Quite the climate differences. Have you got used to the (laughs) snow and the cold yet?
2: Well, I, you know, I think it's because I grew up in Texas that I feel like I like the cold and the snow. If it's going to be cold, we might as well have snow. So, yeah, I'm all in. We're having a nice kind of (laughs) cozy day. Put up the Christmas tree today. It's kind of nice. Oh,
1: wait, today? You waited until a couple of days before Christmas to put up the tree?
2: We actually, and we put up earlier than we ever have before. Normally we put up Christmas Eve. What?
1: Is that a family tradition or what's the reason for that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. (laughs) It's just kind of, it's nice. And then you leave it up through Christmas and the epiphany when the wise men come and deliver gifts to baby Jesus on January 6th. I think it's like an old Catholic thing.
1: Oh, it's January 6th. So then you, okay, wait a minute. I don't know about this. And I grew up
2: February 2nd.
1: Here's the thing. I went to Catholic school and I don't ever remember that.
2: You remember that the Three wise men brought the gifts to baby Jesus, right? And there's 12 days of Christmas. Right. And the first day of Christmas is December 25th. So then you count forward 12 days. That's December 6th.
1: I see how that math works out now, but I don't ever remember that happening at my school. Um, That was kind of new to me. Well, well, I was.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm so I'm 40 and like 80s kids. We didn't get catechized very well, but my, it was my mom's old family tradition. So,
1: yep, I'm I'm oh. 39. So I know how that yeah, goes. Well, We're 30. kind of in the same boat there. Uh, so let's talk about some of the uh, bills you'll be looking forward to next legislative session in the state of Missouri. Uh, is there anything that to you is a top priority moving forward?
2: Yeah, for sure. So my first bill that I filed in the Senate and the one that I'm the most passionate about is making sure that the money that the state provides for kids can follow the kid to whatever school their parents think is best. Um, We continue to not move the ball forward. We're not getting um, a better result despite spending more and more money on our kids' educations. And parents need to be the ones who make the decision about what school is best for their kids. So that means that the parent can send their kid to any public school, to any charter school, to any private or parochial school, and they could even homeschool their kid and get a refundable tax credit um, up to the state-allocated portion of funding. So this has been done in Tennessee and in Florida. Um, a version of this has been done in Arizona. And I just, you know, parents need to be the ones who are in charge of what's best for their education. I think a little competition will help Our healthy schools thrive and you know the kids are going to hopefully get some better results
1: yeah it's a tough situation in some of the different areas where people live you have schools that have consistently failed and i mean there's there's no nice way to say that but historically over and over and over again do not offer much for the students and it's no fault of the students And a lot of times, these situations when it comes to housing or whatever it is, it makes it difficult for their parents to move out of those areas. But this gives them an opportunity, if they really want to, to help their kid get the best opportunity possible in the best school possible if they're willing to travel a little bit longer. And I think a lot of parents are. I I think that's a fantastic thing that so many different states have taken up because it does put kids in the best situation the parents can possibly allow them to be in. And it gives the parents the opportunity to do that, which we should be doing.
2: Well, and there's no other government service that we say you have to go to a certain building based on where you live. If you are on um, TANF, which is, you know, food stamps, if you have Section 8 housing, if you have unemployment benefits, if you have, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Medi- you know, you can go to any medical provider who accepts Medicaid. Um we don't allocate services based on where you live in any other way. And so it just makes sense to me that we treat education in the same way we do higher ed. You know, if you are you get a Pell Grant, you can go to any school you get accepted into.
1: Right. And it makes sense. I think a lot of yeah. parents would take advantage of that. Uh, one of the hard things would be to... I guess, educate the parents to say this is even an option. So let's say that's something you're working on next year. How soon do you think something like that could actually be implemented if passed?
2: Um, I hope in my eight years in the the Senate. (laughs) I mean, this is a pretty (laughs) radical idea for Missouri. We're not a first mover on many things and we're fighting some perceptions from the rural legislators um, who the largest school district's or the school district is the largest employer. It's really the cultural hub. And they're worried that any sort of education reform is going to hurt their school. I don't know why if the schools are as great as they say there are a parent would ever choose not to send their child to that school. So I think it's kind of I don't it doesn't really make sense to me, that argument. But um, it's not Republicans and Democrats who are fighting over this issue. By and large, urban Democrats have been in support of expansion of charter schools and education reform because they see kids stuck based on where they live in a failing school, which is really their best shot of a future is a good education. So it is more of an urban, rural, suburban, rural issue than it is, um, you know, kind of Republicans versus Democrats. The other thing I think that we're going to see a lot of is um, initiative petition reform is a top priority for both caucuses in the House and the Senate. Uh, We have one of the easiest constitutions to change, you just need one more vote than the other guy of whoever shows up to vote on that day. And so that's a little bit absurd. I was in the, the Senate um, secretary's office and she has framed above her desk, the original Missouri constitution that's got nine pages. Well, now it's like a book. I mean, I'm one of the few people maybe um, who I served with in the house who had actually read the whole constitution. It just goes on and on and on. And it's got all kinds of silly things in there like gaming and now pot. And I don't know. It just, you know, let's, let's keep the constitution to the basic structure of what government should be. And then let's put the rest of the stuff in statute. So I think initiative petition reform, we're going to see as a big push this year.
1: Mary Elizabeth Coleman joining us here on 97.1 FM talk. Yeah. There's a lot of priorities that people talk about and, and, I think every year there's always more ideas than there are time to debate or discuss these things. So you do have to be selective in what you decide to bring up. Do you find that it's easy to work with your uh, new colleagues or do you think that uh, there's going to be any challenges uh, to be a state senator?
2: So, you know, we—it's no secret that the Senate has had um, some frustrating moments between Republicans fighting with other Republicans, and I think that's really unfortunate. I was—I was really pleased to see that the conservative caucus disbanded, and that we have, you know, just one Republican caucus. Um, and the senators elect that are coming into the Senate—six of us serve together in the House. Um, uh, Representative Tracy McCreary, who's also who uh, just got elected from St. Louis County in this area, uh, Representative Nick Schroer, um, Curtis Trent. I mean, these guys, we like each other and we get along. We don't agree on every policy. In fact, Tracy and I hardly agree on anything, but I trust her and I like her and she's a fair broker. And that goes a long way, I think, in tapping down the frustrations. And so, yeah. Um, Jill Carter and Ben Brown, who also won their elections, haven't served previously. They'll be serving first and only in the Senate. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're really good people also and are there because they work their tail off to represent their communities to try to make sure that Missouri was a better state for their constituents. So they're not there just to cause fights, yeah. I think.
1: So I feel really helpful. Going back, you served as a member of city council in Arnold for a couple of years, 2013 to 15. And you missed the exciting years of COVID when everyone came out to city council meetings. Do you think you would have enjoyed having people yelling at you at a city council meeting if you were still on that council?
2: <laughs> well, I have a lot of people yelling at me anyways uh, because of my positions on um you know, protecting innocent life that's unborn and for, uh, you know, standing up for the second amendment or thinking that parents should be in charge of their kids' education. So uh, maybe it's a little bit different because those issues often are nationalized. And so the people who are calling and complaining or angry aren't always constituents. Um, I, you know, I do hope we have a return to civility in some ways. If people think that government is going to be the ultimate, Savior, if it's the one that's going to solve everybody's problems, then people are going to react in these very, very strong ways. Um, So we kind of have to get back, I think, to a little bit more independence and people standing up for themselves, and um, government staying out of other, you know, out of our business. So I don't think that there was much that happened in Jefferson County from a Arnold City Council that I would have voted differently. Um, By and large, the city imposed—I don't think they imposed any restrictions at all. Um, What was done was done by the county, and um, Dennis Gannon, the county executive, really only had anything locked down, I think, those very, very first few weeks when nobody knew what the heck was going on. Jefferson County was one of the very first counties in the state to open up fully. So, um, Um, you know, having people scream at you isn't a fun part of of taking your turn and and holding the seat, but, um, you know, it does teach you a little bit of (laughs) self-control.
1: Mary Elizabeth Coleman joining us here on 97.1 FM Talk. You have a law background. You went to St. Mary University School of Law. Um, and let me ask you this, because you see individual states that take it upon themselves, Missouri included, that try to strengthen their state constitution or the laws for you know any challenges to religious freedom, any challenges to right to life, things like that. And you see a very active Supreme Court right now taking up a lot of different cases that could overrule some of these federal statutes that default back into the states. Do you see any future legal battles in the state of Missouri that you would want to re-examine to make sure we strengthen our position on those considering the Supreme court may default more of these back to the States.
2: Well, you know, we have really led the fight on protecting the unborn and making sure that we have strong second amendment preservation, you know, protections. Last session, we passed the second amendment preservation act, which said that Missouri is not going to, in any way, um, you know, we're not going to, We're not going to be a tool of the federal government. The federal government can do whatever they want, but Missouri isn't going to do that. Um, You know, we've always had strong pro-life laws. So I think that the, you know, I will also push back a little bit and just say our courts at the national level, our Supreme court, federal Supreme court has been less active, not more than in previous years. So we have fewer and fewer cases every year being taken up by the Supreme court. And um, they're just for some reason, the press seems to love this idea of it used to be there should be a law for that. Do you remember there was even like a cartoon? that every day there would be like, there should be a law for that. And it was somebody just being rude to another person or something you can't (laughs) really legislate. Well, now it's like, it's in the Constitution. You can't do that. It's in the Constitution. And the truth is, no, our Constitution at the state level is way too big, which is why I think we need some initiative petition reform. Um, And our Constitution federally doesn't say a heck of a lot because it leaves it up to the states to be able to to write statute that's appropriate for the various different states and you know people can kind of vote with their feet in some regards if they don't like what the states are doing and they're not successful in their local elections. so Mm -hmm. um that federalist system is really i think playing out and playing out well we just kind of have a fundamental misunderstanding as a country about what is the role of the supreme court and it's not to legislate everything we like Um, and even to make up things that they should or shouldn't be doing it's to be very firm and, hey, that's not the court's purview. It's not our job. Um, If it's not in the statute as it's written.
1: Mary Elizabeth Coleman, by the way, if people wanted to look you up online, do you have a website or anything like that where
2: people can learn more about what you're doing? MaryElizabethColeman.com. Check me out there. Um, I'm on Instagram more these days than Twitter, but you can find me on Twitter, too, um, at M-E-A-C Coleman um, or... I think it's just Mary Elizabeth Coleman on Instagram. So we're putting up the Christmas tree, like I said. So there's some cute pictures of kids. We went and visited Santa this morning before the snow snow happened. Uh, So it's kind of a fun time to check me out on social media because the kids are pretty darn cute.
1: Yeah, I don't know how this works on a state level. Uh, Do you have like social media people that are trying to get you to do dances online? Because I mean, it's like everyone's thinking, okay, you got to have a relatable politician. So they try to get you to, play with the trends i I don't know if that works like that
2: no i would never dance you don't want to see it and i don't we're good um i you know i do have some people who help me with some of my social media but um uh, it's really it's me approving everything and 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 putting things out and it's i don't have an official side you know a lot of people will have you know uh the attorney general is a perfect example eric schmidt has his attorney general page, and then he's got his own Twitter handle that's just him where it's like cardinals and kids cardinals mm-hmm. baseball and kids. I just have my personal so sometimes I talk about issues, but most of the time I'm sharing you know kid stuff I think my my fourteen year old son told me I needed to update my Twitter handle to my um description to say like standard cringe mom bio <laughs> <laughs> because had what I had before it was like oh, that's terrible. <laughs>
1: well the kids seem to know these things i don't know how but they do and the more i find the trends change it's just probably better to stay out of it altogether and not get caught up into it and just not to not to have to they feel like you need to fight it day by day to be relevant just be yourself that seems to be the only thing that works
2: well and also you know twitter's not a real place so it's fine if you want to be on it for a little while if it makes you happy but Instagram, Twitter, these things aren't real. So, you know, kind (laughs) of maybe put your phone away a little bit and
1: go enjoy your family. Well, uh, best of luck to you, and uh, please work hard for us here in Missouri. I know you will as a state senator. Mary Elizabeth Coleman, thank you for coming on to 97.1. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas to you. Uh, We're going to talk to a former President Trump, Penn CPA transition team member, Steve Milloy is his name. And I wanted to talk to him about what's going on in Oregon and Washington, because they are some of the latest states to say that we are going to outlaw gas engines in the future, right? They want the zero emission vehicles. So only new vehicles sold, I think, by 2035. We'll have to have zero emissions, and I wanted to talk to him about that coming up after the break. We'll take a look at your traffic here as well. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in on 971 FM Talk.
0: Feliz Navidad. Get more at 971 talkcom Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app